Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of uh, Cheryl Dixon. Um, welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, good to see you and good to be chatting with you. Uh, I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you uh, and then we'll get into some conversation with you. Uh, so you're a strategic communication brand marketing professional uh, with over 25 years of experience in working many organizations. Uh, some of those organizations include Coty, Chanel and Pepsi, um, but also in addition to that, uh, you you are you are an adjunct professor uh, with more than fifteen years of teaching the graduate level classes at Columbia mm-hmm. University and also New York University. So mm-hmm. you've got you've got the experience of actually doing the stuff as well as the, the theory that you're teaching with your students uh, on a on a day by day basis. Uh, so that's wonderful, and it's really great to have you on the show today. Um, and before we get into the conversation today, I, I want to ask, what do you love about what you do, Cheryl? Um, it, it's a that's a great question and a, and a hard one because there's so much I love about what I do. It's um, you know, one of my fellow colleagues at Columbia coined coined the term of pracademic. Uh, so I'm a practicing <laughs> communications professional as well as an academic. So I get to pontificate and 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 study theory about communication strategy, but then turn around and say, well, here's how we use it. Here's what it means. Here's why we should care. And I think that, you know, there is a lot more focus on communication and effective communication, especially now. So I'm thrilled to see more people paying attention to it to it and uh, prioritizing its importance. And at the, at the end of the day, it's about helping other people be great and you know, being able to share their ideas and um, communicate more effectively. I want to get you into that sort of passion about communications, because I know you've had many roles have been the chief communication officers in businesses. What got you into, into that sort of understanding it in the depth you know it, but also practicing it as well? Um, out of sheer frustration, <laughs> uh, I, because I think that, you know, communication is not um, taught often, you know, it, it's not taught in business school. And, you know, you see very smart people and, you know, very good leaders that are poor communicators or um, they're they're just not we're, we're not setting the best foundation for success, you know, by helping um, these leaders or these very smart business people or creative people to be able to share their ideas. So when I saw all the challenges that could happen in teams and organizations and just, um, you know, with leadership and employees, you know, I kind of set out, you know, teaching to cure the world one jerk at a time, <laughs> one poor communicator <laughs> at a time, because I just, you know, people, and also they're just, when we're not focusing on it, you know, obviously communication is an intuitive process. We communicate all the time just by by talking with people, but having the luxury of taking a step back and really thinking about how we're communicating, how we're appearing, you know, taking ourselves out of our own um, our own thoughts and really thinking about our audience and and you know what we're um, what we're empowering when when we're communicating to someone else. And I guess in some ways, because we do all communicate all the time, mm-hmm. 
I think often we all think we communicate well, don't we? Because we're thinking, well, we've been doing this since I've been two years old. Why should I not communicate? It's so easy. I can talk away and no problem at all. And I guess what we need to do is almost deconstruct that whole communication process, isn't it? What happens and how we get to be more effective. Yeah, deconstruction is a great way of doing it. You know, I'll often, you know, whether I'm you know, teaching class or working with a leader, I talk about a communications playbook. And the questions I often ask are, how do you think you're being perceived? How would you want to be perceived? And where do you think that sweet spot is in the middle where there's opportunities for improvement? And then also, you know, if someone kind of looks at where do I find that I have the most challenge or the mo most misunderstanding, or do I have to explain myself um, in certain situations. So when you are communicating well, fantastic. But if you break it down and, and deconstruct it, you can understand why a communication is going well so that you can repeat your success. And if it's breaking down, if you get um, if there's misunderstanding or you walk away from a conversation or a meeting saying, well, that didn't go like I hoped or as I anticipated, or there's just complete um, disagreement, being able to break it down and deconstruct to see what went wrong so that you can think about how to do something differently next time. We all have our triggers. We all have people that we communicate very well with and people that push our buttons that it doesn't flow as easily. And if you can practice and think of a different way to communicate with those that it doesn't come so naturally, um, then you're really creating that good playbook for yourself. And I guess it's it's about reflecting, isn't it, on those and being really aware of when you do communicate, however you communicate, because we're not just talking talking here, because communication can just be your presence as well, isn't it? It's not just about the, the verbal, the, the written, and then the sort of talking aspects. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, and, and reflecting is a good word. You know, it's also the willingness to kind of take oneself out of our own ego, um, you know, putting the onus on someone else that, well, they should understand what I meant. You know, there's there there's so many um, there's so many times I see a written communication and it wasn't received in the in the spirit or the way that the writer intended. And usually I can kind of look and see where something went wrong or what the original intention was. But you know, it's um to really improve your skill and to become much better at it. It's willing to take a look and reflect and see what could have been done differently. Brilliant. And I, I don't know if you're referring to the same article about written <laughs> communication recently that I know you posted. I don't even want to share yeah. that. I don't even share that because the reason I want you to share it because it, I want to talk about hybrid working as well. Because I, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk about hybrid work in the moment. And mm -hmm. I think it's um it's not just because it's a trendy thing to talk about. I think it's a really important thing to talk about. Yeah. But also I think the crux of getting it right, whatever mm -hmm. right is, is done through good communication uh, or, or effective communication. So if you share that article that, that was written, which I thought was an, a, a bad example of how not to do it, or a good example of how not to do it, uh, and then it can talk a bit more about how we can be more effective in a context of hybrid working as well. 
Sure. So the, the article that I posted yesterday was uh, from the Washingtonian. And I, I, I don't want to pick on any one person or any one organization because there's so much Monday morning quarterbacking that happens, you know, the, how a company responds to an issue or um, a statement that a leader made. And it's, it's very easy the next day or the next couple of days to kind of pick apart what was said or how it was said, especially now there's so much scrutiny on um, on how people are saying things, and also, um, you know, are they making a statement? Are they taking a stand? What action are they taking? Are they um, putting enough effort behind their words? So there's a lot of expectations. Um, there's a lot of demands for transparency, expectations of transparency, and I think that you know some leaders, some companies, they're they're just getting used to this. We're we're in a very new environment where there are more sensitivities and more macro issues we need to pay attention to than than ever. So, you know, but but this particular article, again, I, I'm I'm not quite sure what, what the leader was intending. I think that she was trying to put out um, a good message or warning against, you know, what might happen um, working from home, but um, but but on the positive side and to take, you know, to, to move forward and take a good lesson from this, I think that Everyone should be really thinking about, um, I don't want to say return to work because we've been working, uh, but it's, it's a return to the office or creating some new sense of normal or how are we going to accommodate the new needs, the new, um, the new habits, uh, or even the, the, the new convenience that people have been feeling in being able to have some flexibility in their work. Yeah, and I think there's some real challenges with with hybrid working, which I've been talking to a lot of, of leaders and CEOs recently. And I think one of them is is that whole inclusion aspect, where you may have some people at home because you've phased up. I don't know, some are coming on a Monday and a Wednesday, some are Tuesday, mm -hmm. Thursday, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then you have half your force or half your team are not in the office. Mm -hmm. How can we help? ensure we're keeping that communication going with those who are perhaps not in the office for various reasons and mm -hmm. the hybrid world and to ensure that there is inclusion happening and that sort of I guess ideas are coming in and that, that sort of communication going out. You know I've um, I've joined a big company and I'm not going to name it um, but my first day my orientation was 10 minutes of human resources paperwork and that was it. Um, I didn't know where my office was. I was not set up for business cards. I didn't know there were no organizational charts, nothing, because the company was in the midst of some sort of transition. So I, I don't want to say that um, is only a problem today in hybrid environments that exists in um, many big companies and many small companies. So I think, again, it's a matter of paying attention to it and making sure that there is um, a set goal of making someone feel included and set up for success from day one. So, you know, a, a hybrid environment, I mean, when we think about communication channels, it's the same thought, it's the same strategy. We have to be a bit more creative about how we do it, but access that they need from a, from a, there's their computer set up, is there, is there, um, uh, email set up. So from a tactical and functional perspective, are they set up to actually start working? And, you know, do, the, uh, do they have access to the right information and the right people? Do people know that they have joined 
again, you know, there, there has been times I've, I've seen, um, again, big companies and someone joins a meeting and like, well, who is this person that everyone's kind of afraid to ask who the person is and they're afraid to introduce themselves because they don't, they don't know. So it's, you know, some of the, um, some of the basic principles of onboarding somebody and you just need, I mean, I think there's even more of an opportunity because, you know, you don't have to worry about who's traveling um, or, or who's in the office mm -hmm. or not in the office. So I think Zoom and there are certain uh, channels that make connecting with someone a lot easier. And what do you think in the hybrid world things, I agree with you, is almost like the communication piece should be the, almost the same in the sense of consistency throughout, whether you're hybrid or not. Mm -hmm. But what are the things that should be, we should be aware of to heighten our, our lens, I guess, on a focus on something when we're considering a hybrid environment to ensure that communication is effective to all employees? Is there any things you, you would think you've had conversations with organisations where you think actually this will be really helpful uh, have a bit more of a focus on this when you're trying to do that hybrid approach. Um, are, are you asking from a kind of tactical best practice perspective? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a, a couple off the top of my head, I, I think that um, because we're losing the face-to-face -face interaction all the time, um, more clarity in our communications, um, making sure that we're clear on expectations um, because we don't have the luxury of kind of dropping back into someone's office or walking past uh, to clarify something. Um, I think you know, what I've also done with some of the companies I'm working with now is creating agreements on how people will work. So taking into account different time zones. Um, are people expected to answer emails after a certain time? Um, how quickly will they respond? Um, how will they be empowered to do something? So I think that having a frank conversation about the ways that people are going to work um, is, is going to be helpful and important and allows us to assume a lot less. Um, and I think, um, you know, just some of the other, you know, golden rules of communication, consistency, transparency, making sure that, and especially leadership communications, that there are standing meetings, that there's a standing or consistent push message that goes out or, um, you know, even office hours, you know, to, to borrow something from academia. You know, I hold office hours at Columbia um, during the semester. There's one night a week where my Zoom is just open. Anyone can drop in. Um, that That's a lot of well, well, for a period For a period of time, something. Yep. Just Okay. Just keep it open, you know, so it's it's kind of like the equivalent of someone walking by, you know, open office door or bumping into someone, you know, at the at the water cooler or the, or the coffee machine. Um, so you, but, you, you, yeah. actually, you reminded me of somebody I spoke to recently who I think during the pandemic did that very thing. I think every day for like mm -hmm. two hours mm -hmm. and he did it for not only internally, he did it for his customers as well. And he literally had it there and then just people just popped in and then he, he would chat and it was almost the water cooler popping into his office yeah and he, and he found it really quite effective actually i mean incredible uh, but you do that now as well actually, uh, well i i do yeah i do it during the semester um not not when i'm not teaching um but i think that you know it's 
I, I don't want to uh, set unreasonable expectations. I mean, I don't think many people have the luxury of an hour just, you know, to open open up a channel and let people kind of drop in. But I think paying attention to it or just realizing and making time for it or making it as much of a priority as anything else in your workday. So setting aside time to make sure that you're connecting with your peers, with your teams, with um, with industry colleagues and friends, um, you know, that that's something else that, um, you know, networking has become, you know, very interesting during during the pandemic. You know, I joined or someone invited me to join Lunch Club. Uh, where you get these kind of random, well. yeah, and it's um, you know again, it's tough to keep up with sometimes. But taking a half hour, you know, maybe once a week to just connect with and talk with someone, yeah. it's a lot easier than taking an hour and a half to try to have a fifteen-minute coffee with somebody. So yes. um, I think again, it, it's it's prioritizing it and making sure that you get off that hamster wheel of your everyday mm-hmm. and uh, and making it important. And I guess it's getting just like you did that with that office hours or Zoom thing. It's getting creative with us, isn't it? Trying to be creative how we communicate, hybrid, remote, even in a context of the office. Be creative how you mm-hmm. get your message across, yeah, uh, and get those sort of principles of getting clarity when you're communicating as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm working with a leader now who's planning the return to the office, and not everyone will be. Uh, returning and she's a relatively new leader uh, in the organization and we're planning road shows where rather than everyone having to um, meet with the team the team is going to them so really planning out how they can start to create those connections and just have face time with people that's brilliant that really is good and so in terms of and I know this is this is the challenge of, of hybrid working as well is the is keeping that culture alive you know, many organizations have created a culture uh, through working in the office, social aspects of things and mm-hmm. events, everything else. How can we continue that in a hybrid environments? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And what are you sort of hearing how other companies may be tackling this? Mm-hmm. Well, again, it, it, again, it's being creative and it's paying attention to it. I have seen companies that, you know, before the pandemic that didn't have a good culture. So we we can't just blame it on people working remotely or not, you know, being together. I've seen, um, you know, that there's a company that uh, sends out DoorDash uh, or um, Grubhub, you know, uh, vouchers. So anytime that there's a meeting, we're still all having lunch together uh, on the company. But instead of a catered lunch, we have our, our our voucher. And, you know, perhaps during lunchtime, we take a break from the meeting and we're actually virtually eating lunch with somebody else. Mm. So, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of technologies that help us collaborate. Um, it, it's just a matter of making use of them and again, prioritizing them. And I'm going to go back to my thought of agreements and, um, you know, and kind of expectation. If the expectation is that it's not work, 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 work all the time, and the expectation is that people time or time for connecting is important because it's valuable for the company and the culture and employee satisfaction, then you, you prioritize that. Uh, I think also, you know, the celebrating wins, all the, all of the things that worked in person can still be shared 
uh, virtually, you know, somehow celebrating wins, acknowledging people, um, helping people understand their part to the whole, the vision, the mission of a company, how the company is doing. So taking those town halls that used to be in person and now doing them virtually, but, you know, now we can, you know, probably do more of them, you know, because where there's uh, we can be a bit more nimble with, with technology. Yeah, no, and I think being nimble, being agile, I think um, the world's got very agile. As you say, you can join lunch clubs, you can do networking. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've been on a number of networking events in a day, a couple of them, which would have taken me two or three days normally in terms of the traveling and everything else. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a number of efficiency going on there. Um, obviously, it's not the same as in person. We know that. Um, right. So it's a bit of a trade-off, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's optimizing that as well. Um, just looking out on as people start to go back to the office and whatever they go back to in the context of hybrid uh, or they may stay at home, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, talking to leaders right now in sort of communication perspective uh, they need to really think about um, in terms of the back to work, or not back to work, back to the office aspect of things going forward this year? Uh, great question. I mean, I think... Um, it's truly understanding where their team members are, um, not not from a physical location, but from a mindset perspective. You know, there is there's been also a lot of change and disruption in people's lives. So, how are they feeling? What's their what's their state of mind? Um, how do they feel about coming back to an office? And you know, when you have people that choose to, you know, if the company allows more, more flexibility and people choose to take advantage of that and work from home more often to set the tone and make sure that that's not, um, that's not punitive, that people aren't looking at people that are working from home any differently, uh, that, you know, if they, if they truly say that this is okay, that they mean it, um, and not, are not just doing it out of peer pressure because other companies are doing it. You know, there's uh, going back to that Washingtonian article, you know, I think one of the lines was the easiest. It's harder to get rid of somebody that, you know, well, OK, well, let, let's make sure that we spend as much time connecting with someone who's right in front of us physically than and, you know, spending the time with someone virtually. So I think it's it's you know, from a leader's perspective to understand what works, what truly works. Mm and to make it fair and equitable across the board and making sure that there's um, that equal level of transparency. You know, I, yeah. I, I often see one of the, a big challenge that happens in organizations and with leaders is cascading, uh, message cascading. You know, I call mm -hmm. it, a, you know, beware of the bubble where you have the senior leader that might be communicating to his or her direct reports. And then the expectation is that those directs will continue on down the line. And that does not always happen. And, you know, in fact, it rarely happens without some good, clear direction and um, that expectation, you know, that being said. What, what is the best practice for that then? Because you, 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 we have an assumption we communicate to somebody, they'll pass it on. Mm -hmm. It might get diluted, I guess. It might get changed, which is the whole Chinese whispers, I guess, depending on mm -hmm. on the message. Um, what is the best practice for that then if you're communicating something quite significant from a perspective, from a board level? Um, well, number one, being clear that they need to communicate it. <laughs> 
um, and that there's an expectation because and, and making sure that there's that call to action. It, it's simple. Uh, and and I'm, I'm laughing at having to say it, but, you know, are you being clear? Cascade this to your immediate teams and ask them to cascade it to them or looking at the organization and seeing, is it very layered? Um, or does it make more sense to have the senior leader just communicate out to everybody? Um, mm. what, what is helpful, especially if there is a, you know, a company-wide communication that might have different meanings uh, to different teams or different takeaways from different teams that you can give specific talking points. You can't expect someone to um, reiterate verbatim a message because that's mm. not human. That's not the way we talk. <laughs> it's not going to be taken the same way. Whereas if you just give, here, here are the main points that you need to get across um, and put it in your own words, or maybe here are some of the words we want to avoid. Make sure we say this particular phrase this way, if there's you know a legal aspect to it, but you know empower the, the, the leaders to be able to interpret it for their teams because they know their teams best and to, and, and to present it and to also add in, well, what it means for their team. Um, so again, mm -hmm. there's there you're you're hitting a couple of important points right there. It's um, you're empowering each leader, you're creating that trust and credibility, you're increasing transparency, mm -hmm. and you're also showing support for the organization's key messages. So it's not saying, oh, I have to read this to you, or I was told I have to cascade this, but it's empowering someone else to get excited about it and say, here's mm -hmm. what's being done. Here's what this means to us. Now, what do you think? So that way you, you open up the channels for two-way communication as well. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, not just cascading the information down, but a good plan or a good structure will also allow for the flow to come back up. If someone is getting questions, if someone is getting feedback, you know, that is where that's golden to be able to get that feedback. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm working on a communications plan or strategy, I'll always ask like, well, who are the naysayers or who was confused? or who had questions and what were the questions about? And sometimes we don't pay attention to that. They're like, well, they don't get it or they're not on board or, you know, they're always the troublemaker. Well, there's a reason. Um, and do we know Do we know why? Is the message not clear? Are they not in the know? Do they disagree? And, you know, are you giving your people room to disagree in a respectful and productive manner? I want to say that amazing insight. You say it's like it's it's not rocket science, but it, in mm -hmm. some ways it is to be because you live and breathe it. But what mm -hmm. you just said there was really great, I thought. And if anybody wants to listen to that last three minutes, it's quite powerful stuff of how you, you cascade a messages. So that's really important. And it, 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 it is important. And it's really great what you said there. And but it, people are not doing it. And that's why I think we need to have these conversations about having that clear communication. And I think you made some great points about empowering the leaders down as well and that's really important rather than become a almost an order type of thing they, they're embracing it in their own way and making clarity of what the key points are uh, and then the important thing about i love that the flow back up and that's where the the insights come don't they where what's happening in the organization how are people feeling uh, of this response to this change or whatever it may be mm -hmm. uh, that's really good um it's been great talking to you, um, Cheryl. I uh, really loved and enjoyed this. Um, how can people get hold of you and connect with you if they wanted to? Absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, so Cheryl Dixon. And I'm also on, I have a website. It needs to be updated a little bit, but you could still get me there. And that's uh, Cheryl F, like Frank, Dixon.com. Uh,
Brilliant. Well, thank you for today. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So great to talk with you. Thanks a lot. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends, and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.